In a world where it seems totally normal to listen to a podcast about the Toronto Argonauts, it's the X's and Argos podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos pregame walkthrough brought to you by Funny Bone Broth. My name is Ben Grant, joined as always by JB as we get you set for round three of Hamilton versus Toronto on the docket today. We're going to talk a little bit about Sage Dockstater, who has been put on injured reserve with New Orleans, what that means for the Argos. Do they need offensive line help from somewhere else? We're going to talk about the Jagera Davis injury and an article that Mike Mitchell wrote on CFL News Hub about uh, Davis, Speedy Banks, and Andrew Harris. So we'll get into that. We want to talk a little bit about Chad Kelly and some of the, uh, I, th- I think, misconceptions people have about our views of Chad Kelly. Plus, we'll get into Dane Evans or Matt Schultz, who we think will start this week. And by the time you listen to this, you may know, but we'll also tell you who we would start. Plus, the injury report, OCDC, one thing, fantasy advice, and our picks. All that and more coming up on this episode of the X's and Argos podcast. All right, JB, just before we get started, I think i got to explain some of the background noise i got going on here. I know sometimes it may sound like I'm at a party, not a good one, but uh, at a party. I, I'm in Quebec City and recording, and they're very kind to let me record in this sort of quiet corner of the turret bar here. So uh, I'm, I'm doing my best. Uh, hopefully we will be interruption free, but if you hear any uh, Muzak in the background, that's that's what's going on here. I'm, uh, JB, any any music yeah, where you are? No, no, I'm I'm excited. We're live to tape. Uh, you know, you won't be able to edit out my hottest takes, and <laughs> that's uh, right. you know, let's let's get it on. All right, let's get things started with uh, Sage Dockstater. So, Toronto Argonauts 2021 second round pick. Uh, there was some hope, I know, going into this season that. Sage Dockstater may end up uh, joining the Argos midway through. I think a lot of people felt as an undrafted player for the Saints, maybe he gets cut, maybe he ends up joining Toronto. I I always thought this was uh, too much of a long shot because I think even at that, you know, just making it to the stage when you're a late cut like this, there's a good chance you end up on someone else's practice squad or even if you don't, you work out for a few months, see if if someone signs you when people get injured. So I just didn't think there's any chance we'd see Doc Stater here this season at all. It, it, it's not saying that it'll never happen, but I, I just don't see it at all at this point. That makes sense, I assume, to you. Yeah, when, when guys go, when guys are invited to camp that pretty much means they're gone for two or three years they're gonna they're gonna bounce around practice squads they're gonna bounce around other camp invites um if you get a camp invite and you're young you know i to me that's probably a three-year window for sure where you're not going to see them and and you see guys who come to the nfl or the cfl sorry from the nfl usually they have like two two, three years of, you know, invite and camp, invite and camp, you know, and then and then they come to the CFL. That's I think that's the likelier timeline for him is probably, you know, three years. And then following up on that, camp cuts are happening. Yeah. Uh, fast and furious in the NFL right now. Should the Argos be looking for tackle help at this point? Uh, yes, for sure. I think that's going to be harder to pull because certainly in the NFL offensive linemen will get endless chances. Uh, I think we should also be looking at running back help. Yeah, I could see that too. Uh, and maybe that's even more of a concern the the tackle situation for me, because you've got, you're basically three tackles that Toronto has on their roster. Uh, two are out and we don't know when we'll see again in, in cage and Tate. And then you've got Dejon Allen, who is doing, like, you know, toughing it out every week. But he's just, he's not right. He's not 100%. If he were, he'd be playing left tackle for one. But even at that, just watching him play at left tackle, he's not the same guy. He's letting guys burn him around the outside. He's just not able to, he's just not able to move uh, that well right now. So, uh, you know, who knows? We don't even know for sure if he's going to play this week. He's questionable as of now. So what I think they could do, because it is hard to find tackles, certainly, but that's not really who they're looking for if you look at NFL cuts what they're looking for is a guy that played tackle in college and was not the right size in the NFL and was immediately going to be a a guard project in the NFL or maybe has been for a couple years and is now going to get released in favor of this year's draft picks etc but that's what you want a guy that yeah tackle in college undersized was always 
planning to be a guard in the NFL, didn't quite cut it, and now he can come up here and be a tackle. But the thing is, again, it's it's not as easy as, well, those are final cuts, that's it, because guys aren't willing to throw away the chance at that paycheck. Because even the practice squad paycheck in the NFL, even if you end up signing that in, in October, uh, November, is still going to be way more than they would make coming up north here. So it's just not really worth the risk for most guys. But you never know. There could be that guy that just maybe this is the last mm-hmm. straw for him maybe. in the NFL. You, you don't you don't see a lot of that. You, like uh, wide receiver, running back. Um, you know you see CFL after NFL camps. If a, if a lineman is good enough for an invite, somebody's going to keep. I mean, you know guys bounce around. Bobby Hart looks like he's going to start in Buffalo for God's sakes. You know, guys bounce around in that league at offensive line there there just isn't enough of them in the world yeah i i don't disagree with that and the guys you do see coming up tend to be more quickly are guys that have played in the cfl that have cfl experience like you know with, with Devonta Dedman, for example being one uh, those are guys that are more likely to to come back sooner um, and and get some more playing time under the belt, etc. So I just I, I don't know if I see that happening. They're obviously looking. It's not like they're asleep at the wheel here. They're aware. They're more aware than we are, I'm sure, as to the uh, severity of the uh, tackle situation and the seriousness of it. So believe me, they're they're looking. But I wouldn't be surprised still, even at that, and even all that we've said, I wouldn't be surprised to see someone come in at some point over the next few weeks. Let's talk about that Mike Mitchell article. Uh, he wrote a nice piece for CFL News Hub. Mike Mitchell does great work, and just a quick shout out to to him. If you're not following him on Twitter and, and reading his content, it, it's really good stuff. And this week he put out a piece on the three big offseason signings that Toronto made in Jagera Davis, Speedy Banks, and Andrew Harris, and kind of you know looking at what that has turned into. These guys are costing a lot of money. We now got Jagera Davis, who's going to be out uh, for probably six weeks with a meniscus injury, a knee injury. And we know Andrew Harris is done for the year. And Speedy Banks, while he's healthy, has not really lived up to expectations. I I think maybe of the three guys has probably performed the least uh, out of those three, those three signings. Uh, JB, are are these, can we say at, at this point that these are incorrect moves? Are you not willing to make that call yet? Or do you think the injuries kind of, uh, factor in a little bit? Yeah, they're not bus. Um, they were always gambles. All three are older guys. Anytime you sign an older guy, you are rolling the dice, hoping to get really probably one more good season out of them, even if you're paying them for more than one. Um, you know, injuries happen, and you you can't you can't predict that. So I I I, I don't. It's 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 hard to say. I mean. If you look at the team, what would the team have been like if they hadn't signed any of these guys? Are they in first place right now? No, I I, I submit no, they are not. Um, I think that all three, even you know Speedy, who's been up and down, you know I think all three have been crucial to victories. Um, and unfortunately, when you sign old guys like buying an old car, you you know sometimes things break um so i i think it's bad luck um for davis i think harris was probably the riskiest one i wouldn't call it bad luck because i mean you know he's an older running back you know that's that's injury is is probable you know you were hoping to avoid it but probable um and speedy banks i I wasn't expecting that much i mean he's you know he, he he should not be a primary aspect of the offense I, you know at, at this age in his career I think if he is a bit like uh, you know Chester last year that's that's really a problem that's not his that's more an organizational issue because I, I don't think he he should come in and be the number one target guy he should be on the edges at you know getting four or five targets and maybe you try a couple punt returns with him you know I think that he probably is being overused a bit so I'm gonna vote bad luck and not bust. I think I think the signings were smart and they, you know, hope to roll sixes and they roll snake eyes. 
Yeah, I'm pretty much with you on that. Although I, I do think, I think the Harris injury is more bad luck. And I do think it was the, the biggest risk of the three, but I don't feel like that's what actually happened. Like what I think what we were thinking would happen would be a more traditional running back injury or a lack of performance, him just not having it. And he clearly did have it. Andrew Harris looked great when before everybody started uh, putting their entire team in the box he, he looked fantastic and he was forcing defenses to play a certain way and so th- that's what you want now I, i'm still not sure andrew harris was the right guy to sign because i'm still not sure well, actually i'm i am quite sure he does not really fit uh, properly into coach dinwiddie's offense i just don't see him I, I, he's just not the the kind of player that that you would have around that type of system. But again, that's not really what we're discussing today. Jagera Davis, same thing. I think he's he's been fine, but it's just a it's a weird injury. It happens to everybody. This can happen to you at at 25. It's more likely to happen when you're a little bit older. And Speedy Banks uh, isn't really what they're using him as. And you got into that a little bit as well. You notice that like when Eric Rodgers came back and everyone was sort of healthy, Speedy Banks wasn't on the field he was coming off the bench and that is that's to me that's what he is this year that's what he should be he should be a guy that can come off the bench and play pretty much any spot give you a burst of excitement a burst of speed have a huge explosive play but he's being relied upon to do way too much when he's getting like 10 targets in in games that's just not that's not where he is right now like you said so i feel like it's not so much that the moves were wrong it's a combination of some bad luck and them maybe not using all the players uh in the best way possible let's get into this chad kelly discussion so we've been we've spent a lot of time over the last few weeks defending mcleod bethel thompson and somewhere (laughs) along the way people seem to have got in their heads that we don't like Chad Kelly and I I want to I want to correct that a little bit so Chad Kelly first of all I, I wrote an article on him when they first signed him I, I've been following Chad Kelly since uh, since he was a kid basically I, I remember seeing uh, uh, there was a, a Buffalo news story on him winning a punt pass kick contest and he was throwing the ball like 70 yards in the air. He's like 14 years old. And I remember finding it really interesting and just finding out his, his ties to Jim Kelly and, and thinking, okay, that's kind of interesting. And I would check in to see how he was doing in high school and just sort of followed his career and, and through college as well. I, I've been a Chad Kelly fan for a long time. I think he is a very good football player. He was an excellent D1 player. Uh, I, you know, we, I have sort of chronicled some of the troubles that he's had and the issues that, that he's run into, but I believe those are part of his past now. And so I don't really have concerns about Chad Kelly. I actually think Chad Kelly has what it takes to be a successful CFL quarterback. That said, it's, it's not going to happen this year. I just don't think that's this year. I, so I have nothing against him. I'm excited to see what he does next year, the year after that. I think that's when he'll be ready and he'll be able to, to actually get starts, to get playing time, to, to maybe be at the point where he can lead a team. Maybe, maybe he is the starting quarterback for the Toronto Argos next year. I, I'd, be, I'd be fine with that if that's what he shows, and I wouldn't be surprised by that. I'm just saying this year, that, that's not the answer. No, I, exactly. Um, he, the goal is to win the Grey Cup. This team, although leaking oil, is still, you know, it's the CFL, is still in the conversation for a shot at the Grey Cup if, a, you, you know, <laughs> some good luck comes their way and maybe they can add a couple of pieces. Uh, they're right there. You know, they are competitive with everybody. I know BC blew the doors off them, but... Uh, this is a team that has, um, a at least right now, a shot at the Grey Cup. And to suggest you should take your quarterback out, who is ranked in the top three in almost every important category, is madness. What I don't understand what people want. People want to be the Elks. People want to be the Red Blacks. You, you can't start... Uh, in the CFL as a rookie, it just you know any more than a first-year med student is going to uh, take your appendix out. There's just he's not ready to start. It would not be successful. I, I think I think it's a combination of uh, rookie starters doing well in the NFL, and people see that. 
Um, people look at other teams that have two quarterbacks. You know, Hamilton brings in two guys, and you got Rourke, and he seems like a kid out west. And and people don't really do the research into, you know, like Schultz is this is year five for Schultz, you know, not year one, you know. So these guys are around. This is year three for Rourke. Um, so I don't know if people necessarily know that. Um, so I think that's where some of the frustration comes from. I, I agree with you. I, we saw Chad Kelly at practice, and we both said on the podcast, he looks great. He's You know, the ball explodes out of his hand. Um, he's got a bit of wiggle to him. I wouldn't say he's a running threat, but he's got a bit of, he's got a bit of athleticism to him. Um, it, it's just going to take time. You just can't start um, in the CFL as a rookie. So. And you see that in practice too. Like we, we, you know, we watch him just running, you know, and running the offense and and getting his reps in practice. He's he's just not he's not where Bethel Thompson is, and that's not his fault. He he shouldn't be, but just getting to see these plays, it, it's maybe maybe that's what people need to see as well. Maybe you know, it, I think it would be a different story if he were if he were absolutely lighting it up at practice and dominating in in every. In every single session he had, every rep of of uh, Skelly and and twelves, that'd be a different story. But that's not that's not happening. He's he's ahead of where he should be. I don't think there's any question about that. And he looks exciting, and, and I'm really excited for him yeah. for next year. But that's that's not what's happening no. out there. And look, quarterback is not the issue with this team. Uh, it just isn't. There, I could give you five things that have to get fixed before we start talking about who the quarterback is. Staying on the quarterback topic, let's talk about Hamilton. So Dane Evans or Matt Schultz this week? I I initially was kind of just thinking Evans would start, and then I started looking. I kind of forgot about because we we you and I were both at at BMO during the the Ticats Alouettes game. We were watching it, but not as closely as we might normally. I didn't realize how good Schultz's stats were last week. And so, given that, I think it's I think it's gonna be pretty tough not to start Schultz. You know, having over 300 yards passing, two touchdowns, no picks. It was a, I guess it was a revenge game for Schultz, like I had said, and that's that's why I had him in my fantasy lineup. But uh, it uh, I, I think it'd be tough to start Dan Evans this week based on that. That being said, I think Dan Evans is the better quarterback, and I think if it were me and and I were making that call, I think I would start Evans. I think he'd be my guy out there. Uh, so who do you expect, and, and who would you start? Yeah, that's, this is the danger of the two-quarterback. The two-headed monster is you get put into these positions. I don't know what the personalities are like. They seem to be okay with being interchangeable. Um, I would I would start Schultz. Agreed. I think that he gives you uh, a dynamic aspect to of the offense that Evans has had a bit of a harder time doing. Evans seems okay with coming in in the second half if he needs to. Um, so I, I would go Schultz too. I think you have to. I think you have to see what you have. Look, if if, if Schultz can throw for three hundred yards every game, then I think you just have a really good backup quarterback in Dane Evans. Evans does come off the bench well. I, you reminded me; it's a painful memory that I kind of blocked out. But yeah, we—I think every Argos fan knows how well Dane Evans does coming off the bench. So maybe that is the way to go: start Schultz and have Evans ready to go in case things start falling apart. I, I don't actually expect if Schultz starts. I don't actually expect him to look great against the Argos because I think the Argos will probably prepare more for him and <laughs> JB I don't know if, if I can take watching Evans come off the bench against the Argos yet again uh, we're gonna have flashbacks of last season I know I mean just really like I said before uh, just really tired of watching the number two quarterback come in and go for 90% for the win uh, it has been very frustrating and I cannot rule that out happening on Friday. Is it too much to ask that the quarterback Toronto expects to see plays the majority of the snaps for one week? <laughs> I feel like it's been a long time since that's occurred. I I don't know what to make of it. I just I guess every other team in the league is just willing to take their quarterback out at the drop of a hat. 
uh, you know, and probably that's where some of this Chad Kelly stuff comes from. Um, yeah, it, it is very frustrating to try and plan a defense when you have two very different quarterbacks and you don't know which one is is going to start. Um, it's the damnedest thing that they've had this year. I, I don't know. I don't, and, and probably, you know, neck, the Labor Day game will be a new quarterback too, depending how this game goes. <laughs> I know it'll be the other guy. Yeah, right. It's, it's it's completely maddening. But this this speaks to the lack of quality quarterbacks that there are in other teams. And again, why and not to get back to because we spent so much time talking about Bethel Thompson, Chad Kelly, uh, just over the you know last few months. But this is the thing. Like most teams don't have a guy, and Toronto does have a guy. That's he's on he's he's up there on the leaderboard in terms of active quarterbacks. He's now number two in the league behind Zach Caleros. It's he's a ways back, but Nathan Rourke is probably out for the season now. And after McLeod Bethel Thompson, there's really no one else. Like Bo Levi Mitchell is the next best guy, and he's not even starting this week. No, and he got pulled no, last week, and he's the no, next best quarterback. He's object. Look, I know. I don't want to keep. Bel- but I know when I was at the game and I could hear the booze, I wanted to grab the microphone from the announcer and just be like, what What are you booing? He's objectively one of the two best quarterbacks in this league. So there are issues here, but this is not the issue, folks. So maybe, I would love maybe, to have seen maybe. you grab the mic from, from Adam and yell that. Well, Adam would actually have been pretty cool with it. I, I would think. have asked for a, just a moment. I just like everybody's attention <laughs> for a moment. What are you doing? That would have been amazing. Yeah, especially the guy sitting in front of me. That guy. Anyways. Let's get into our injury report for this week. Uh, It probably favors Toronto slightly. Hamilton's missing a ton of guys, kind of like they were last week. But they've got Simone Lawrence has already been ruled out. Siante Evans is out. Jake Burt is out. Uh, The Jake Burt one is, is actually pretty big because they're they're already pretty banged up there he's been used a lot more uh, the the last few weeks since Braylon Addison's injury so that does hurt them Lawrence Woods uh, out who murdered the Argos on punt returns kick returns Jamie Newman who had the 30-yard quarterback sneak is out and center Alex Fontana that's a lot of guys that are out plus they've got a couple guys that are questionable or doubtful Dylan Wynn I think he's actually going to play though and Bailey felt me that's uh, I guess less of a big deal but he probably is not so that's the situation for Hamilton but they're they're ripe for the pick and there's a lot of guys down there and we've had some pretty bad injury luck in Toronto uh, but Hamilton seems to have the injury bug at the moment yeah um, it, the game is there to be won for sure anytime you lose first overall pick Jake Burt that's going to be a big hole you just you love saying that you love bringing that up he's actually as much as we made fun of that he's actually turned into a pretty good cfl player pretty useful guy finally getting his shot but yeah he took a pretty nasty looking hit last week and uh yeah it's it's unfortunate that that he's not able to go for for hamilton obviously but these are some these are some big names and they are some guys that have produced over the last uh well for some of them for for years like simone lawrence as much as as much as he bothers everybody is an extremely good player having him at will versus not having him at will is is night and day in terms of what that gives you on the football field so uh, yeah not having him there is a is a huge hole for Hamilton that they just won't be able to fill and the offensive line problems they've already had not having Fontana out there is is probably going to going to hurt them as well on the Toronto side of things, Jaguar Davis has already been ruled out. We know that. And Toronto has not yet really declared anyone else out. And they, by the time you hear this, they may have. It's, it's usually, uh, usually something that would be coming out tomorrow, Thursday, for a, a Friday game. But they've got sort of what I view as two tiers of questionable. So here are the guys that I think probably aren't going to play, who are listed as questionable. So the two tight ends, Joe Carbone, Declan Cross, I don't really expect either of those guys to play. You'd like to hope that one of them could. I, I don't think it's going to be Carbone. I think it's more likely to be Cross. So maybe Cross can go, because right now, as it stands, they don't have a single fullback on the roster, which is fine. Like, if you're going to go with it one position, that would that, that would be it. But it's not ideal. Uh, Eli Menser and Tommy Neald, I, I don't think those guys are going to go. Robert Priester, we've seen him play 
or at least dress after not really practicing all week. But I, I just don't see that this week either. So I think those guys aren't going to go. And then the questionable guys that will go, I think Dijon Allen is going to somehow tape his body together and get out there, which is good because there's, there's just not a lot going on uh, behind him. And without him having only Blake and Richards, as your is your as really as your only two tackles uh, would not be great. Uh, Dylan Giffen, I think, is going to be healthy enough to play, and he may actually dress based on what's been going on on the on the Argos line. And without dressing a fullback, that could be something that we see. Josh Haggerty, I think, will go. Enoch Penny Lawyer, uh, he's been limited the last couple of days, but I I think he's going to give it a go as well. So that's the Toronto injury picture. JB, we we've seen worse, but uh, it's it, I just. It comes back to the tackle thing. I think over everything else, that even with all the receivers that Toronto is missing and, and how much I would like to get Eric Rodgers back, etc., I, I just wish more than anything else we could see some of those injured tackles back in or bringing some other tackle back in. I just I hate the feeling of everything being being held together with tape on the offensive line every week and having so many guys out of position. It, it's, it's, it's caught up with them already, uh, but I, I just can't stand that feeling going into into game day it will be a challenge Hamilton is definitely going to try and heat him up Hamilton's definitely going to run blitz on first down it's a problem the book is out there and when the book is out on you you better be able to find a plan b or it makes for a very long season it's time for OCDC all right, JB, you start things off first. You are the defensive coordinator for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. What is your game plan against <laughs> the uh, taped together Toronto Argonauts offense? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I go with what, what people have shown. I'm, I'm playing tight man coverage. Um, I am uh, run blitzing on first down. I am uh, blitzing on second down. I'm just bringing lots of heat and daring those receivers to get open. And, you know, if they can't get open in two and a half seconds, you know, that's going to work out great uh, for us. Uh, I think that we want them to run. So if they're going to run on first down, I think we probably um, offer them um, a, a slightly lighter box to to invite uh, A.J. Olette and, uh, and Leak. And, and then, you know, when it's second and nine, then, you know, everybody pin their ears back and meet at the quarterback. Uh, I think that is is definitely the plan. I think that uh, Toronto is going to need man beaters. They're going to need bunches. They're going to need um, misdirection. They're going to need stuff to, you know, the, I don't think the screen game is, is that dangerous right now. They're going to need things to slow down that pass rush because for sure, you know we are going to on second on second and long we are bringing heat every single time moving over to the hamilton offense i've just been noticing in the last few weeks that toronto is Toronto's letting up a lot of room in the flats. So typically in zone coverage, when you're dropping back into zones, flats defenders, they're going to drop back. They're keeping an eye on the flats, but it's not like flats defenders aren't just like sitting there in the flats as, as plays develop. That's not how you play that. If you're going to give up something, it's going to be the short pass. And so, for example, there's a, a play that I've been preparing for my film session this week in which Calgary has three different levels. They're attacking the flats, they're attacking mid-range, and they're attacking uh, deep with a corner. And the way that two defenders are going to play this is they're really going to guard the, the deep two guys. You're not going to leave the guy in the corner right open. You're not going to leave the deep out open. You're going to leave the guy in the flats open, and then you'll close that once it's thrown. But when you look at the Argos' defense, they're really giving up ground. It's more than other teams have. They're, they're, they seem to be trying more than ever to prevent that big play. And you watch last week in the Calgary game, some of those short checkdowns turned into really big plays. So not just, you know, not just turning into a six-yard catch and run, but turning into 15 and 20 yards. And I think that that's 
going to be the start of my game plan for Toronto. So I'm going to run some of those three-level floods and look for the look for the short receiver. I'm going to throw to late leakouts from the running back once the the linebackers have fanned way the heck out there and they and all the DBs have dropped deep into coverage. I, I think that's where you have to start. So start with your flood plays. Start with your your taking shorts. Start with um, leaks to the running back, and you get into the screen game as well. Running back screen. I'm talking about specifically not receiver screen. Toronto actually does play those fairly well um, and I think that's going to be the basis of it and then depending on how Toronto adjusts for that you look to either hit them over top or pick on the mid-range and so I think this is they think this is a game of throwing to the trip side throwing to you know creating rollouts I think are good and that's a great part of um, that's a great part of, of Schultz's game if, if he's the the quarterback that plays you you know, roll to the right and have three different levels going uh, and see how Toronto defends it and expect that you're probably going to be going short to start and then take advantage of it later. All right, let's switch over to the good guys. JB, what is your defensive plan for the double blue? Yeah. Well, Hamilton, we know. We know them. We, we play them. We don't know who's going to start. I'm, I'm guessing Schultz starts. Um, he's got a big arm. He wants to throw it down the field. I think that from a defensive point of view, uh, we're not a team that gets sacks, and so I, I'm, I prefer the three-man rush most of the time um, because it's just not who we are. So it's just a waste to, to have four-man rushing. Uh, I'm not worried about Don Jackson running for 150 yards. Um, it's not really what he's built to do. Worried about the deep pass, you know, worried about um, White and Dunbar, and, and we're looking to take away that deep pass. I think that, that that's what the Argo defense has done pretty well. I agree with you with the underneath stuff. They definitely have kind of gone with this bend, don't break model, and it's worked pretty well. You know, we're basically come up and you give up some first downs, but you're basically like, okay, I'll give you that first down. I'll even give you two of them, but uh, you're not going to, you're not going to drop a, a 75-yard bomb on us. And I've, I've liked that. I think that it's, it's worked pretty well. And I, I think that's what we're doing here. We're going we're gonna to look to keep deep coverage. We're going we're gonna to be looking to take that away and force Schultz to, uh, you know, to kill us with the underneath. And, and then come red zone, uh, we're, we're, we're ready. You know, we tight man coverage. We're very good at run in the red zone. You know the run defense in the red zone has been top flight, so I'm that's that's where I'm looking to do. I'm not you know I'm looking to to have six seven DBs on the field a lot and take away the pass. And if they want to run Don Jackson twenty two times, then we'll see how that goes. In terms of the Toronto offense, I want to change things up a little bit. I want to get. McLeod Bethel Thompson moving out of the pocket. He actually throws pretty well on the run, running to his right. He's he's got uh, he's really patient with it, and he's also got a bunch of receivers that are really good at getting open in scramble rules. Now, I'm not saying you you just invoke scramble rules from the snap of the ball, like schoolyard, everyone go and you know find some space. But you know, having those those play designs, kind of like I was talking about before with the Hamilton offense where you you roll for for floods and stuff i want to see some of that from mbt not only because it helps out his offensive line a little bit it, it certainly helps out Dejon allen who was beat around the outside a lot in the last couple of weeks he if you know he's rolling then that helps you because you can actually lose inside and have it not be the end of the world so it helps him as a lineman you also often will get a chip uh, from a running back that will come up and sort of help you roll uh, so I think that, for one thing, helps. The other thing I think it does is it gives... It's a bit of a disadvantage for the Hamilton DBs who haven't really seen much of that from him before. And suddenly, when you change the launch point, it does make defending as a DB a lot more difficult. So you have him roll out. That changes the angles from which the passes are coming from. That affects your coverage. And in a game where we've seen you know we've seen the Argos receivers just blanketed over the last few weeks and I kind of expect to see that again there's gonna be a lot of man changing the launch point can make the difference there you change the angle that the ball is coming at them from guys are suddenly a little bit more open and Hamilton will have to address you, you can't do it every play and, and I don't I'm not even saying you do it half the time but I want to see some of that to start yeah Trump, the thing I want, you know sorry, just to jump in you know, watching it, Toronto, you know, as defensive guys often do when they rage about the offense. Uh, yeah, Toronto has to get way more misdirection involved, um, way more um, 
uh, plays that are, are 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 built upon the other team's pass rush coming. You know, some trick plays. We're 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 they're they're not good enough to win right now on offense. Just lining up and playing ball. They're gonna need to. You're gonna need to be a little more underdoggy, a little more kitchen sink. Okay, you know, let's try let's try this double reverse. Let's try halfback option. Um, you know, let's put two guys in the backfield and you know run chopsticks out of it, or you know just you know jet, just way more varied. You know, like from a defensive coordinator point of view, I always used to say to to my OC the only the only thing that scares me, the only two things that ever scared me as a defensive coordinator were formations I had not seen before on film and motion. If you don't have those two things, like I'll play ball with any team and any athlete except for maybe like guys who end up in the NFL from St. Rock. Other than that team, uh, we'll line up and play any team that is not running that motion because it's just from a defensive point of view, it's so easy when you don't have to have any concern about where's the ball. And and Toronto, I think, needs way more misdirection in their offense. Well, JB, thank you for stealing the second part of my segment on OCDC. <laughs> Is that what you were going to say? I, I have no, and some of it, uh, but not not quite that extreme. Mine, mine, mine makes mine makes sense. Yeah, it's uh, so. I don't have double reverses down or anything like that. But yeah, there needs to be misdirection. Now, what I have is Toronto's been running a lot of receiver screens and kind of the the quick running back screen that really replaces like a receiver bubble screen. What I want to do is uh, fake that one way and then go the other way with a quick receiver screen. So get those linebackers out and you're going to get your linemen going the other way. So I'm not explaining this well. Uh, if you're a visual person, you're imagining uh, McLeod Bethel-Thompson basically pump faking to the left, and there being a screen clearly set up over there, but he's not actually throwing it. Instead, the offensive linemen are like immediately pulling right, and you go back to the right uh, for a quick receiver screen on the other side. And you should have numbers now because the, the linebackers are going to bite on the first direction because they've seen the Argos run it all year, and we haven't run one of those fake left, go right. We haven't seen the Argos run that all year. The other thing I want to see is some, some double moves uh, off stuff that Hamilton has seen on film already. There are a ton of plays that Toronto can just tweak a little bit, run back out there. Hamilton's seen these two games now. They've seen the film of those two games now. You run what looks like that exact same play, but now there's a a hitch and go to it. Now there's an out and up or whatever it is. The only question is, will they have time for that? Can they pass protect for that long? I want double reverses. No, no double reverses. Uh, and then the last part is uh, the uh, sort of pump and go on on screens. We we saw one of those against Saskatchewan with Phillips, but it was a pretty short one. The the Phillips corner touchdown was on uh, a fake screen pump and go to Phillips. But I want to see a couple of those. They've run so many receiver screens that they've now got to start building off of that. And I think Hamilton with some guys there who are banged up in the secondary and playing out of position in the secondary, I think this is the team to take advantage of with those with those elements. So that's how I would attack the Hamilton Tiger Cats. All right, JB, it's time for our uh, our one thing here. I was going to say our prediction. That's coming up. This is time for our one thing. Uh, we've been hitting on some more of these lately. Uh, what's what's your one thing for this week? Well, I, I'll, I'll dial it back a tiny bit. What I want to see is a reverse play. In, in my mind, what I see, I, I see, you know, you bring a let to the, you know, to wing, and you bring him across on the snap of the ball, jet, and you got Speedy coming the other way, and here we go. I want to. They, they uh, haven't run a play like that in a long time. I the re- last time I saw them I run, that was like 2017. I, I know they. I'm trying to remember who it was, but the 2017. I remember watching a play. I, I know this because I stole it, and I, I remember thinking like the, the it looks so much. Uh, like a sweep to one side. It just everything about it looked like that, and it was a beautifully set up reverse. But I'm gonna have to look that look that play up. But, I want uh, a reverse. All right, it doesn't I'm have to be to speedy, fine. but but I want I want a, a, a reverse to a wide receiver or leak. 
My one thing doesn't sound very exciting, but it's something that I really wanted to see last week and, and we didn't. So last week there was a lot of short yardage plays and we saw Chad Kelly take it around the outside, which it was good. That's what I'd been calling for. I, I wanted that. I talked about that in my film session last week, but they ran it four times. And as we talked about on the post game pod this past week, you can't go to the well four times. You can do it a few times, but you can't keep doing it. And you can bet this week that Hamilton is going to be ready for those outside runs from from Chad Kelly. And so my one thing this week is out of that short yardage Chad Kelly package, I want to see one of two things. I either want to see a pass out of that short yardage package, which would be very exciting just to get him to actually uh, throw the ball around in the game. Uh, We haven't seen that since the BC game where it went horribly wrong for Chad and he got uh, knocked over backwards and threw a pick. Uh, I want to see him throw a pass in that short yardage setup. If not, then I want to see a traditional quarterback sneak up the middle. If they're defending the outsides, then don't run outside. It's not a lot to ask, but that's what I'm looking for. A pass in short yardage or a traditional sneak up the middle because there's no one up the middle. All right, predictions, JB. Where are you going with this one? What is the score? How will it end? Hmm, I have not been on fire. One might even say I've been a cooler uh, recently with my picks. I think this is the season for the Argonauts. I'm going to put that out there right now. They're at home, and then they're on the road um, for the length of a Bible, and they have to win. And they have to win this game. I think it's must win. I think they have to have it. I think they do get it. I think the power of the X compels them. I like Argos uh, 28. And Hamilton twenty one. <laughs> that's that's my exact same score. I've got twenty eight twenty one Argos. <laughs> that's what you always say. No, but I I don't want to copy you. Look at your record. It's my, it's my ridiculous. record is, is fine. It's been subject to a variety of unfortunate situations. <laughs> Yeah, so twenty twenty one Argos. Same thing. I, I just think I think Toronto's a better team, but it's it's also more important for them. They they have to win this game. It's it's a pretty big game. They lose this, and they're in full tailspin mode heading out onto the road. Uh, just carrying a, a losing streak in here to begin with. Uh, it's it's trouble. It's trouble if they if they don't win. So I think they're going to come out pretty serious. And you were at practice this week. It seemed like a team that was all business, right? Uh, good energy. I, I really liked the energy. I thought, yeah, definitely like dialed in. I loved the pace of the practice. I loved um, just from a coaching point of view. I, I, I loved how there was no downtime and and players were moving quickly between between drills. A lot of you know a lot of working on um, you know fundamental um, plays. And I, I was really happy with with the level of intensity of practice. Uh, it did not look like a team that was losing looked like a team that was still having fun with each other but also dialed in and looking to get better i was yeah it 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 struck me like the halifax practice you know um a a dialed in ready to go practice at no point would a coach have to get anybody's attention they were uh, the guys on the field were definitely uh juiced up and ready to roll it is time for our world-famous fantasy advice. JB, we continue to be on fire as we are now in second place in the CFL Podcast League. And we've got to keep this going. I think we've won five in a row now. And, and the picks have generally been good. It was a little bit off last week. We're still, in, I think we're in the mid-80s. It got a little bit tight uh, for a time. But uh, ultimately, we, we were winners. So let's keep this thing rolling. Uh, we had a lot of trouble deciding on a QB this week. And I think there are three different ways you can go at QB. So we ended up going with McLeod Bethel-Thompson because we had the money to do it. If you want to go budget, I think you've got a couple interesting options. Michael O'Connor at 7500 it's a bit of a gamble because we don't really know what we're going to get from him, but he has got a, a ton of weapons. He's been in the league for a long time now. He, he knows the system really well. He's, he's gotten some reps, and with all those weapons at his disposal, I expect him to put up decent numbers, and for 7500 I think that's a pretty good bet. The other one I really like, and JB, I know you vetoed this immediately, but Nick Arbuckle starting in Edmonton, his former team, this is a revenge game, and 6388 is a terrific price for a starting quarterback. You pay more for Bo Levi Mitchell, who is on the bench. Uh, you pay more for Drew Brown uh, in Winnipeg. So 
for me, just for you taking uh, Nick Arbuckle's six thousand three hundred, I approve that. JB doesn't, so ultimately he didn't make our lineup. But I, I like that as a as a QB pick. What's, what's your rationale, JB? You're you're usually a revenge game guy. <laughs> well, you, I that is certainly your corner. Um, I'm a I don't like Arbuckle guy, so it wasn't a, a complex argument. In as much as I don't think he is good at quarterbacking, so I don't want him on my fantasy team. Fair enough. So we did have to go a little lighter at running back, but I'm pretty happy with these guys. So you got A.J. Wallet, 4,501, and Frankie Hickson, 4,000 for Saskatchewan. I, I, you know, Morrow's out for a while. I think I, he's a pretty good running back. He's going to get some uh, some carries, certainly, and I love him uh, catching out of the backfield, too. Just getting him in space in general, I, I think, is a good thing. So those guys have great value. You're spending, you know, one running back's uh, salary on having two starting guys. Receiver, we splurged a little bit. We got your man, Kenny Lawler, who just keeps producing uh, regardless of the fact that his team is terrible. Uh, 8825 a little expensive, but he's in this league, he just, the, the PPR thing is huge for him because every other target uh, for whoever's in it, quarterback for Edmonton, Cornelius recently, uh, every other target goes to Lawler, and then he has a couple of big plays, and he usually has a touchdown. So, eight thousand eight hundred twenty-five. You know what you're, you know what you're getting for that. And then we're going back to Dalton Schoen. He's now in the seven thousands, but well worth it. He's playing W now, seven thousand twenty-eight. Uh, I like him there a lot. Plus, Ellingson is out, so I think more targets are going to go his way. Uh, that that one just makes sense. That doesn't leave us a ton of money for our flex, but we have enough to go for Sean Bain, 3,227. We remember Sean Bain from last week. He torched McFadden early and then slowed down a little bit after that. He's a good receiver, though, and uh, he's in again. I think he's, who's he in for? He's in for Malik Henry, so he's going to get targets. Uh, I, I'm not as comfortable with Mayer as I am with Bo Levi Mitchell. Mayer's good. Uh, but he is less reliable. I, you just don't know exactly what you're going to get. I still think for that kind of money, Sean Bain's a good price. And then for our defense, uh, basically everybody's 3,200. I like Winnipeg's defense. I like them against everybody, but for 3,200, when's the last time you could pick up the Winnipeg defense for, the, for that price? And they're going against Calgary, whose offense has not been great, save for last week, uh, but they still got a boost from, from a defensive score. And you've got Mayer in there who uh, probably turns the ball over at least once to get you uh, some points. So that's our fantasy lineup for this week. Uh, hopefully we can keep that winning streak going. And hopefully we've been able to help you out in your picks. And, and whether you're in a league or just doing it independently, uh, they have been going pretty well. So hopefully that continues this week. All right, JB, uh, we are into our picks. We both had a terrible one and three record last week um it's the wheels have been falling off for you for a while but uh i was surprised after a four and four and then a three and one week to dial up a one and three performance uh we got a rebound so uh let's go through it calgary at winnipeg where are you going uh, i like winnipeg at home i think calgary starting with their new quarterback um winnipeg coming off their fishing by um I think they're going to be rested. I think they're very good. I don't think Calgary is particularly good still, despite them beating the Argos. Um, I like Winnipeg at home for sure. Big. Oh, I don't know if I like them big. Kadeem carries back, and that does change the Calgary offense. I, I think he's the wild card here. If he is running like he can run and having one of those games, I think it's pretty close. I still think Winnipeg's going to win. I'll pick Winnipeg. Winnipeg at home makes sense. But... Yeah, this uh, I, I don't I don't think it's gonna be big though. Hamilton at Toronto. I'll uh, put us down as uh, Toronto wins since we both said it would be twenty eight twenty one. Saskatchewan BC. Uh, where do you, do you go for this one? Saskatchewan at BC. The first test for uh, for Michael O'Connor. Yeah, I look. <laughs> I backed Saskatchewan as long as I possibly could, and now I say no, Saskatchewan. I'm afraid uh, that. You are not who I thought you were. And I know BC has got the backup kid, um, but they are just loaded with weapons and they're at home. I think 
there's not a lot of film on him and if, he, if he's ever going to have a great game it's going to be this game it'd, it'd probably be a, a little harder moving forward I like I like BC at home and this is played right into my hands I'm taking Saskatchewan simply because I felt like this was the week you'd stop taking Saskatchewan and so that's a guaranteed <laughs> Saskatchewan win for me this week uh, but in seriousness uh, it, it's different like Rorick has been playing out of his mind he's been playing the kind of football we haven't seen in the CFL in a long long time and to think and and even with that BC has been in some tight games. They've been lucky to get out of a couple of those games. To think that Michael O'Connor is going to come in and be just short of that, I, I think it's a lot to ask of him. And I think there's a lot of pressure on him too because I think people are looking and saying, okay, well, let's, let's see you do this too. Um, and that's, you know, they're, they're, not the same, they're not the same quarterback. He does have weapons. I wouldn't be shocked if he had an amazing game. I'm, I'm hoping he does. I would love to see him succeed. I think Saskatchewan wins. Lastly, Ottawa at Edmonton. Will the winless streak at home continue for the Elks? The Elks made sure it did for Ottawa last week. Uh, where are you going? Yeah. Uh, these are two uh, combatants just gutting it out in the in the in the mud. You know, this is a, <laughs> this is John Candy in stripes, and these two don't care what anybody else is doing. Don't care what's on the line. They're just going to not let Edmonton win at home the same way Edmonton would let Ottawa win at home. These two are just going to continue to punch each other out and probably should just play each other for the rest of the season. Okay. Uh, if, if I were commissioner, I would just say, you know, let's just, let's, let's you know, let's, let's, uh, let's uh, Canada 72 it. Eight game series for, uh, for all the honor. So I'm going to go uh, Ottawa. Ottawa, I'm, I'm going to tell you, um, I was pretty disgusted with what you did at home. I don't know why you hate Ottawa so much. It's not bad. It's certainly better than other Ontario-related CFL cities. Um, so, Ottawa, to get it done in Edmonton, I'm, I'm, I'm backing you, Ottawa. I'm taking Ottawa, too, and I hate to do it. I, 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 think, I still think they're the better team. They looked terrible last week, but... It's, it's my thing, revenge game for Nick Arbuckle. I think uh, he pulls it out in the end. I see it's just one of those things you'll see like a late touchdown pass from Arbuckle and then they'll quickly show a shot of Chris Jones's face and it will be amazing television. So that's, that's what I'm hoping for this week, I guess. Well, that will just about do it for us on this pregame walkthrough edition of the X's and Argos podcast. For JB, this is Ben Grant from Shadow Frontenac saying so long and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see ya.